Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved Podcast. It's taken everything in me to not say, you know what, Tess? You know what? Welcome to... Wisdom Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> don't don't get tricked, everybody. It is Friday. You're tuning into to the right don't day. Don't worry. You have not entered a time. Warp. Do you know that happened to me last week? I was adamant that it was Tuesday and it was actually Thursday. <laughs> it was a weird time warp where something happened in my brain. And, and then have you ever had that experience where you feel like you missed a day? Yeah. It happens quite often <laughs> to me. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but it happens. I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I was very perplexed. Yeah. It's Where weird, did my right? Wednesday go? Yeah. It feels very bizarre. It's disorienting. Um, it is disorienting. Sure. That is the right word. So today's guest is Dr. Becky Kennedy, and she's talking all about raising kids with empathy and validation. And I was very, very impressed at her ethos, her philosophy, and all of her explanations. Now, neither Tessa or I are parents. But what happened after this conversation for me is that it gave me a deep sense of empowerment and confidence mm -hmm. that I would be able to take on this job because most of the time I'm left feeling completely emotionally and mentally challenged as to how much incredible work it is for people out there raising children, oh right? Oh gosh, yeah. It's a thankless yeah. job. yeah. Yeah. And it feels to me like what I took away from that conversation was she talks about like the amount of pressure that parents put on themselves to do the work themselves and like her encouragement to get the support that you need. Like the saying, the adage, it takes a village, I think is real. Yeah. You know, it really does take a lot of yeah. extra support. And I would just agree with you, Rosie. I mean, I think you're a parent and with Reg, you basically and helped Reggie grow up since what was it, the age of 16? This is true. She was a tiny little tot when she was born. I was a teenager. I was, yeah, I was 15 when she was born. And you were taking care of her. Mm hmm. You know, and diapers, diapers and all. Yeah. Oh, and then she, then she came back when she turned 18. She was with us for two years. And those of you that have been listening to the podcast for so, that long, this is going to be from the years essentially 2017 mm -hmm. to about 2019. Yes, it was a very trying time. time. You know this too, by raising yeah. Christopher. Yeah. I mean, I inherited him as a, as a teenager. So right. in a lot of ways, it's like... I watched his infancy, his childhood, his adolescence, and then we got him as a teenager. And I can see, I was telling Jorge this the other day, I can see my influence on him. Maybe this is my ego and my yeah, I love it. <laughs> expanded self-confidence yes. 
what is the word transferring onto him, but I feel like I can see my influence. We love transference here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can see my influence on him as he, yeah. he's going to be 21. Oh my goodness. Next I cannot month. even believe it is just such, well, you know, this is part of what Becky talks about the, she's actually known as the millennial parenting whisperer. And after having this conversation with her, I know why I told her that when I become a parent, I would hire her. I'm like, I need to do all of your programs. And it's funny. I don't know if this made it into the final cut of the episode, but there is a point where I asked her if I could do the trainings that she has online. I'm like, can I just, can I just do some of these parenting trips? Because I feel like we parent ourselves, right? We have to, in a way, mother and nurture ourselves or father and nurture ourselves. And I think it's so important to just learn the dynamics of emotional regulation skills or helping others learn to cope with emotions. And I think that's the biggest obstacle that we face and biggest obstacle we may need help training. And this is, yeah. Yeah. And this is what she, she goes into this. She really validates how hard parenting is and how parents shouldn't be that hard on themselves. She talks about parenting with a long-term mindset, the discipline in parents, how mindset is more important than strategy. I mean, she really goes in deep. There was one specific situation that I share. And since I've had the interview with Dr. Becky Kennedy, I do give an example of a friend of mine who just so everybody knows, I've already talked to her. She's fine with me sharing her situation. She's listened to the podcast and she was really excited that I was going to share that scenario with everybody here because she really feels like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to relate to her. So I'm excited and I really hope that we can take some powerful juju from this episode. Hey everyone, it's Rosie. It's hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. Everyone now talks about how critical magnesium is for us. Dr. Hyman, Andrew Huberman, and all of the health industry authorities and doctors. There is a long list of symptoms and diseases that can be eased or even treated with magnesium. In fact, way back, magnesium was a critical element. Doctors use magnesium for all kinds of conditions, from arrhythmia to constipation to preeclampsia and even seizures. For some reason, now doctors use it as a last resort and put patients on high doses of magnesium if they're at risk of premature labor, seizure, or other various conditions. Now, I'm normally a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can from a well-balanced diet, and it would be just perfect if we could all do that. But getting the amount of magnesium that you need just from food is a lot of work. And it could also be extremely taxing for our agricultural system. I read somewhere that if 10 years ago we needed to eat one orange, now we would need to eat 10 to get the same amount of nutrients. It is just simply impossible to eat the amount of food to get the minerals that we need. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has the solution. Their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven types of magnesium. And it's specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. 
Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting your energy levels. Right now, you can try Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bioptimizer product for 10% off. Just go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash radically loved. And use the code radically loved 10 to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. Don't wait to be deficient. Start taking the best magnesium and improve your well-being right now. Just go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved Podcast. I am very excited to introduce you to today's guest. Dr. Becky Kennedy is a clinical psychologist and mom of three named the Millennial Parenting Whisperer by Time Magazine, who's rethinking the way we raise our children. She specializes in thinking deeply about what's happening for our kids and translating these ideas into simple, actionable strategies for parents to use in their homes. Dr. Becky's goal is to empower parents to feel sturdier and more equipped to manage the challenges of parenting. And I have had several requests from a lot of you out there, parents, to have somebody like Dr. Becky Kennedy on the show to ask a couple of questions, some from all of you that are listening here. I'm so excited. I'm not a parent yet, but I have just been so curious about what it takes to be a good parent in today's day and age. And we have that conversation. Dr. Becky shares some really great tips for all of you out there raising children. Here is my conversation with Dr. Becky Kennedy. Dr. Becky, thank you so much for being here. I feel like the clouds have opened and you're just going to answer so many questions. You're going to give us so much insight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm here to solve everybody's problems in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Let's do it. Why are we wasting time laughing? Yeah. There's a lot to do. So what I was telling Dr. Becky before we started, I said... After reading her work and, you know, just you've written articles, I mean, this is something that you're really passionate about doing. When I was doing my research, I was very encouraged. Tori and I, we've talked about having kids. We're kind of on, we're off, we're on, we're off. And I really, I felt very encouraged by your work. And I'm like, okay, no, this is possible. We can actually do this. And then the other thing I said is I'll go hang out with children under the age of six. And then I'm like, nope, not going to happen. Not for me. It's not going to happen. So thank you so much for being here. I have so many questions for you. And you were named the Millennial Parenting Whisperer. So why don't we start with that first? You want to see it tattooed on my body? No, I'm just joking. I'm just not a tattoo on my body. No. No, definitely not for anyone that's saying I'm messing around. I don't know. I have no tattoos. And if I did it, it would not be that. I'm actually not one for labels. No, that uh, phrase is like, you know, it's traveled with me. So I've had to develop something to say back. That's all. So, well, first of all, let me start with what you said, because actually what you said, I think about, okay, yes, 
I can do this kid thing. And oh my goodness, I've been around young kids and no, I do not want to do this kid thing, right? I actually think you're you're starting with two things that are really core to the good inside approach, which is the idea of multiple things being true at the same time. I actually think it's one of the biggest things that's limited our view of parenthood, of caregiving, right? So for example, parenting is really hard. And there are things I can do to feel better and sturdier in my parenting. Now, one doesn't collapse the other. Oh, I did those things. Now parenthood is easy. No, but parenting being hard also doesn't mean that we don't deserve resources or that we can't get some support to make things a little bit easier. Parenting is hard for 100% of parents. Right? I'm a parent of three too. And like, it's not easy for me. You know, it, it definitely not. You are raising human beings who are inherently different from you and are born with all the feelings and none of the skills to manage feelings and who have wants and needs. Like there's a lot of inconvenient, stressful moments. And, and what I think even that, that millennial, that <laughs> parenting whisperer, I think what it speaks to is that parents have been eager for a model and an approach to parenting where they feel a scene, where their needs are as important, where their growth and development is as important as the needs and growth and development of their kids. And I think what's really taken fire, honestly, especially for women, is like, oh, wow, with good inside, like I actually am taking care of my non-caregiving parts. I feel like I have boundaries. I can say no. I, you know, just feel like a sturdier person. And in that journey, I am also showing up the way I want for my kids. So we can do all that at the same time. Yeah, I love the structure of that. I have so many questions because I feel like, and this is going to be maybe taboo to say, but sometimes Tori and I, we are like, there needs to be a training before you have children. Like there should be a training. There should be a certificate that you need to get some sort like you need a license to drive a motor vehicle, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And and people say that they're like, you, of course you have a license. Like if you go out without a license, like you could harm yourself or people like, hello, you just took a baby home from a hospital. Like, you know, you could harm yourself or people like it's the same thing. But the flip side is not just about limiting harm. It's about through parenting, you can learn so much about yourself. You can grow so much. You have the opportunity to work on so many of the things that are going to help you in your non-parenting areas as well. And the idea that parents need, whether you say training, or I actually just think it's not even need, it's deserve. And I don't think it's mm. training. I think it's resources. Like, yes, you know, in every that. job that we value in this country, we applaud people in those jobs who get extra help, right? The executives who get executive coaches, we think, wow, you are doing an amazing job. And those executive coaches, you know what we say to them? We say, you you are doing, thank goodness you're in there in that company, right? We say to professional athletes, you have a trainer, you have a sports psychologist, you have a nutritionist, You and wow, and all those people who do that job for you, wow, they're part of your system, right? And to parents who are thinking, oh, should I? Should I join a membership? Should I take a course? Parents and especially women have internalized, I'm supposed to know how to do this. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me, mm -hmm. right? Like as if it's the one job, even though it's 
the most important job and the hardest job in the world. It's like the the thankless job. And thank, right? But it's like this one job where we don't think, why does that, why does that same system not apply? Why don't parents need resources and support and coaches? And why don't we look at parents who get those things as it's not a sign that they're not good at their job. It's a sign they respect themselves. Like that's what we say to an athlete or an executive. Wow, you really respect yourself. Look at the coaching you're getting, right? And I feel so passionately about changing that narrative through the membership, through the book. Like, yeah, you're investing in yourself. You're also investing in your kid, but you're investing in yourself. That shows everyone in yourself that you value yourself. Yeah. There's nothing like a good breathwork exercise to get you energized, especially if you're feeling a little bit run down, overwhelmed, or you just need a great way to unwind. The Open app has the best sounds that you can totally vibe with while you're doing some good breathwork in between your calls. You can even hop on a live on-demand class in the middle of your day, which to me is literally the selling point. I'm like, I can do breath work in the middle of the day, count me in. And y'all know that I'm a fan of Olivia's class and I have recruited a couple of my friends to take classes live with me. It's also a really great way for us to connect and then chat after class. With the open app, you definitely get way more than you pay for. It's $20 a month and it's so worth it. You can cancel at any time. And I got to try it for free for 30 days. And if you're wanting to tap into a community that you can tap into anywhere in the world, this is it. I think you're really going to like it. And you can also invite your friends. I worked together with Open to get you all 30 days free so you can try it out and see if you'll enjoy it as much as I do. There's a link in the show notes with open.com forward slash loved. I'll be sharing on my social too. And you can check it out on your own at any time with open.com forward slash love. That's W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N.com forward slash L-O-V-E-D. Use the promo code loved for your 30 days free. I love everything that you're saying. I think it's important to be able to have that. I mean, the adage, it takes a village is there for a reason, right? Yes. Yes. I have so many friends that are trying to be all things to all people. I have good you know, luck. Yeah, right. I have, <laughs> I, I'm at the age right now where there is a lot of under the age of six children in my life. And I have to say, like, I would say 95% of all of those parents are struggling. They have a hard time. I mean, there's a hard time with discipline, there's a hard time with, you know, figuring out ways to communicate with kids. And I feel like sometimes there, we come from a different genre, you know, where it was like, we didn't talk about feelings. It was like, stop crying, do this, you know, or you don't do this, or I'm going to put you on a timeout or go stand in the corner, or you're going to get spanked or whatever it may be, you know, this sort of intense behavior that then your child begins to act out and you can't figure out why they're now, you know, like getting into fights in school. And if you are modeling, not that that's always the case. I'm just speaking from my experience. I have cousins, I've got nieces and nephews that I just see. I'm like, wow, you're surprised why your child is fighting with kids, taking away his toys at school when there is no structure at home because he is the only child and 
he gets everything he wants, you know? And yes. And look, I think that for so long, we've been fed like one or another version of parenting. So either, yes, right? Kids hit, kids take toys, right? Well, first of all, why do kids do that? Like, I think this is really important. Kids do that, not because they're bad, not because they're manipulating. They do that because learning how to manage feelings and urges takes a really long time. Like most adults, we all know still aren't great at managing feelings and urges. And maybe they don't steal toys, right? But they yell at taxi drivers or they yell at a partner, right? Or they they tell themselves, I'm not going to eat before dinner. And so you watch them get a snack, not because they don't respect someone, just because like it's hard to have an urge and control it, right? And the answer is that kids need to learn really skills, Kids need to learn emotion regulation skills. One thing I know is kids don't learn skills through punishment. If we think a four-year-old is in their room, I don't even know, alone after they hit their sibling and they're thinking, I wonder what led to that. Oh, you know what happened? I think I felt jealous and I'm going to just Google jealousy coping skills and learn something on like, no, they are just feeling alone and ashamed. So that just simply doesn't work. And then the alternative, I think, is parents who are fed a different model or absorb a different model of, okay, feelings matter, right? It wasn't the childhood you grew up with, Rosie, but like, oh, feelings and tears. And I'm all about the feelings. But also if you just embrace the feelings in a kid without being a sturdy leader who shows your kids boundaries, which doesn't mean being mean, it literally means boundaries. Well, your kids actually just can experience their feelings as overpowering and scary. So in the first case, their feelings led to aloneness that's overpowering and scary. In the second case, their feelings actually did kind of destroy things around them without having a leader's help. So that also is scary. Like we need something in the middle. And it's not, going back to what you said, it's not obvious. Like nobody learns it in school. Nobody gets taught it in the hospital after you have a baby, right? And parents, honestly, mostly struggle with this with themselves. It's why when parents, when adults do things that they wish they didn't do, A lot of adults don't have great ways to take a deep breath and say something kind to themselves and recover and think about how to change. No, they probably spiral in self-punishment, right? And so we all all need a new system, like humans, adults, parents, non-parents, and and definitely kids who are are our next generation. Yeah, well, and and so as you're talking about this as a skill, Mm -hmm. self-regulation as a skill to develop... How old are kids before you start to help them to develop those skills? Like, amazing. Okay, great question. So, we want to develop these skills right away. Okay. And yet, the skill doesn't translate to observable behavior right away. Right. And I think a a nice metaphor to start out with, because I think it's helpful, is, is swimming. Right. Like, most parents I know are like, I would like my kid to learn how to swim. Like, that just, that seems important. But no one thinks you go in a pool with a child and teach them a few things. And then like the next day they're learning to swim, right? No one actually expects that. But also if you don't get in your pool or a pool with a kid for a number of times, they're not just going to magically learn how to swim at age four, right? So like, there's, again, this two things are true. We want to teach our kids early, but also we can't expect that to immediately convert into change, right? So I think that that's the way we want to think about emotion regulation. Our kids learn how to regulate their emotions in a number of ways, but mostly through absorbing the way we respond to their emotions. And this is the point where parents are like, really? Like that? 
that's unfortunate because that seems like I'm going to have to do some work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a straight shooter. So I'm like, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to call a spade a spade. Like, it, you know, I'm, yeah, it is what it is. So are yeah. you in or are you out? You know, but the benefit is amazing. Cause then parents are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm teaching my kids, but I just noticed myself stay calmer at work. Like that really, I just noticed myself have a more productive conversation with my partner. Like, oh wait, maybe I am in because there's network effects to this. Right. So a kid, when, when they're, let's even take like a, a four week old. Okay. And this is four week old. Okay. They're crying. They're crying on the floor, right? Who knows why? Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're cold. What they're really looking for is the message that they're safe and they're loved. That's what helps us all regulate our own feelings at the end of the day. So what does that mean? It means being responsive to a child. It means validating a child's experience. This is really, really critical. The idea that we can validate a kid's experience, even if we don't understand it. Validating a feeling is hard, right? But validating without understanding is even harder. So you might think, I just fed my baby. I just picked up my baby, right? And, and therefore we almost want to say, what are you crying about? You have nothing to cry about just because we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Versus picking up a baby and even just saying something about this is really upsetting. I don't even know what it is. I believe you, I'm here. Now let's just take even that line because it's such a good example. Now we fast forward to a five-year-old kid who, I don't know, just had ice cream, like had a pretty good day, gets home and I don't know, they start getting really upset about something, right? Validation would sound like this, like something's really upsetting you. I'm here. I believe you, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And actually what I always think is so powerful is if you think about a really tough moment you might've had, right? Or you wake up and it's just like, you're having a bad morning, right? And think about a partner who says to you, Rosie, it's like a sunny day. Like it's no big deal. Like snap out of it. You have nothing to be upset about. Ooh, like nothing feels as bad as being told that. First is, hey, I'm here. Something is happening for you that doesn't feel good. Even if I don't understand it, I believe you and we'll figure it out. Right? That's what kids need. When kids see that we believe their emotional experience, they start to believe it. When kids see that we can stay calm in the face of their anger, they learn to stay calm in the face of their anger. There's more, obviously, that we can do, but every single thing that kids learn about emotion regulation actually comes first from the foundation we lay in response to their emotional hard times. Wow. Oh, that is so powerful. And I'm just, I don't know if you're reading my mind or what, but my, a close friend of mine, we went to high school together. Her name's Karen. She has two kids. She has a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And what's interesting is that now and and she's she's working really hard but she also comes from this mentality with her her in-laws were living with her for a while and her her mother-in-law was really helping her with the kids and they come from this mentality of like when the baby when they were little they just let them cry like le- just leave them in their room put them in the room let them cry they'll cry it out just don't don't go and coddle them and so she did that for a long mm-hmm. time you know she she kind of took that model and Personally, for me, I, I would it would just freak me out. You know, anytime I'd be there, I'm just like, oh my god, like the baby's crying. Like, go get the baby. Like, what? And it's just this this thing where it's like, nope, you just let them let them cry it out. You know, let them leave them in their room. 
<laughs> and Brandon, the youngest, he, they both have had behavioral issues, I will say, but the whole putting them in timeout, it's like, okay, now they're going to get a timeout. They have, they fight, they fight together. They start fighting. And it's like, nope, timeout. And it's the yelling. It's the stop. Duh, uh. It's just like that intensity. And it's not necessarily her, you know, her and her husband, like they're both, they both have different parenting skills. You know, he, she's a little more chill and he's a little bit more, he works for an insurance company. It's like, you know, he works long hours and he's very frustrated and he comes home and it's just like, like very aggressive, you know, not aggressive with the kids, but Mm -hmm. has this very like, stop crying. Yes. You're at the dinner table, have some manners, you know, like that kind of intense energy. And, and look, they're, great and I love them and I'm going to tell them that I'm talking about them on the podcast so that they know I'm telling their stuff out loud. And anyway, she knew I was going to talk to you, so I'm sure (laughs) it's fine. But I just feel like I could go back and just think like what you're saying, pick up that four-week-old baby, validate their feelings. Like I just feel like it's so agonizing to hear this baby and not her mother-in-law, I I wouldn't have believed her had I not been there when I saw her say, you can't acquiesce to their every demand. You know, you have to establish who the authority is. But I'm like, but that, they don't understand or give a fuck who the authority is, you know? (laughs) Well, look, I think again, there's this like, we get really locked in, in a concrete way to like what's going on with our kids instead of understanding both what they need in that moment And also the skills they need to build with us to be fully functioning adults later on. Like everything I think about in parenting is not just for a short-term win. It's like, we're in this for the long haul. Like they're going to be out of our house for many more years than in our house. And how we interact with them today sets them up. So like, number one, you cannot spoil a baby. That's like not a thing. People still say that. Yeah, it's not a thing. You don't spoil a baby. You don't coddle a baby. And there's a really complicated idea that like is actually, I think, one of the most important things I wish every parent knew when they had a baby, which is independence is born from dependence. Independence comes from the safety of dependence. We feel more comfortable being independent, more confident as we get older. If we have internalized that we have a secure base to come home to. Right. And you see this like a baby is able to explore a room with toys if they feel like they can crawl back to their parent and kind of nuzzle in them. There's a word for that. We call it like recharging. And the, right. They like literally recharge. They get upset. Maybe something happened. And you see this in toddlers. They get upset at the playground. They run to their parent on the bench. They kind of get a hug. They go back out into the world. The world feels unsafe if you don't have a secure base. And so if you have a parent when someone pushes you at the playground or something happens who essentially is, uh, I'm not going to coddle you. The world is tough. So I'm preparing. Okay. Now your immediate world in your family feels alone and scared and threatening, right? You're literally alone. You can't go be a fully functioning adult living to your full potential because you don't even have a secure base to return to. Now, does this mean the opposite of that is you, I don't know, someone said something not nice in the playground. It's a parent on the bench saying, okay, well, let's leave the playground forever. And people can't do that to you. No, of course not. That's like becoming enmeshed in your kids' problems, right? But there's something in between. And to me, it always comes back to what I think about as a parent's job, which is boundaries, validation, and empathy, decision-making, right? empathy and validation. So 
in that situation, oh, that person said you can play with them. That stinks, right? Because I see my child, oh, you're allowed to be upset. Do you want to sit with me for a little bit? And I have a feeling after you do, you're going to figure out something else, you know, on the playground. Take your time. You'll know when that's right for you. I'm holding, right? I kind of have a boundary around their experience. It's not my emotion bleeding into theirs. I'm validating and holding hope for them. My child learns in that interaction when hard things happen, I have someone to go to. I don't think there's anything more confidence inspiring to anyone at any age than the idea of when something bad happens, I have someone in my life who will understand and be there for me, right? I think again, actually the swimming metaphor is really helpful too because people worry when their kids are younger. Like my kid has this tantrum, like they have to know that they can't have tantrums. I have to, they can't speak to me like that. I have to punish them because or else I'm reinforcing the behavior and I'm, you know, coddling them. Well, if we take the swimming metaphor again, I don't know one parent, like if you have your two-year-old in the pool and they're unable to swim by themselves, right? You kind of let them go, but they like, you know, clearly aren't safe. So you pick them up. I don't know one person or grandparent who's on the side of the pool going, well, you better send them to their room because you cannot make them think that you think it's okay that they can't swim. Like you better send them to their room. Like you'd be like, that is the, what? Like it literally doesn't make sense. They just haven't learned yet. Yeah. Right. And holding them in the pool today, it doesn't mean I'm going to hold them when they're 30. I have to hold them today so they can build the skills they need to swim independently when they're 30. But getting out of the pool and leaving them alone in the pool, I don't think anyone thinks that's going to lead to independent swimming at 30. That's going to make a kid who's too terrified to ever go in the pool in adulthood because they were left alone. Ever since my dad had surgery last year, we've had this conversation about life insurance and he actually brought up the importance of it and how now, even though I'm still very young, I should still be thinking about it. So why would I get life insurance? I mean, we pay hundreds of dollars a year to protect our homes, our cars, and even our phones, but too many of us aren't taking steps to protect our family's finances. Mortgage payments, private student loans, and other types of debt don't just disappear if something happens to you. A life insurance policy can provide your loved ones with a financial cushion that they can use for those costs. And it can provide you with the peace of mind that even in a worst case scenario, they'll be protected. And even if you have coverage through work or you're worried about the price, I really suggest that you do a little bit of homework. I have been using Policy Genius. It is an insurance marketplace that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price on life insurance. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. Just click the link in the description or head over to policygenius.com to get a personalized quote in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so that you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees and your personal info is private. Policy Genius doesn't sell your details to third parties and they have thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. So head over to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. Yeah, what are your thoughts on discipline when kids are into hitting? 
So discipline, I think, is discipline is a tricky word, right? Like I am the biggest fan of teaching kids the skills they need for life. And I think about discipline as like teaching. Yeah. But the word discipline, the way it's used, it's something usually it's like something you do to someone. And one of the things I think we forget as a parent often is more important than any strategy with our kid is the mindset we're in. And if you're looking at your kid like an enemy, nothing good comes from there. Just like if you look at your partner as an enemy, we all know no good conversations happen from there, right? We have to look at our kid like we are in the same team as our kid against a problem rather than looking at your kid as a problem. So I don't know about you, but when I hear I'm going to discipline my child, I don't like anyone I say that about. So I just know I'm looking at them like the problem. Yeah. So versus my kid is hitting what's wrong with them. I'm going to discipline them. I don't like that framework. What I like is my kid is good inside. I am good inside. I have a good kid who's having a hard time. This is really me and my kid against hitting. You know what? You know what we forget? I, yeah, I don't want my kid to hit, but like my kid doesn't want to hit. Like my kid must feel out of control. There's no kid who likes to hit. No one. So I think the framework is most important. Of course, we all want to quote discipline if that means teach. But what I would say is, why is my kid who's good inside hitting? What is my most generous interpretation of why someone would hit? Why would I act in a way I wasn't proud of? Well, probably because (laughs) we all have been there. I had something going on inside me that was so big and so overpowering and I couldn't contain and it exploded out of me in a way I wasn't proud of, right? Why did I yell at the taxi (laughs) driver yesterday? It's like not the same thing as a hit, but essentially I was overwhelmed with other things. Now we can get curious, right? Well, Well, okay, my kid hit, I don't know, his cousin. They were arguing about a toy. Okay, what's my kid's frustration tolerance like? Can they tolerate wanting and not having? Did my kid know that his cousin was having coming over? Did my kid know that his cousin might take that toy? Because I can tell you if someone walked into my closet and took my favorite sweater and put it on, I, I might grab it from them, especially <laughs> if I wanted to wear it. You know? Now, if someone had said to me before, Becky, just so you know, Rosie's coming over. She's going to want to wear some of your sweaters. <laughs> She's going to be cold. A, she, yeah, she it's want, cold in here. Why don't you go now sweater? and take your two favorite ones and just put those away, right? Because yeah. those are hard to share. And, you know, it still might be hard to share the other ones. If it's really hard for you to share with Rosie, the truth is you've picked out the sweater. If it's really hard to share the others, I probably will come and pick you up and carry you to the side, even if you're crying, because I'll be there to help you. And we'll get through it. Or I might say, hey, what do you think if Rosie takes that green sweater that you still like, not one of your favorites, but you like, oh, what might that be like, Becky? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I'm, yeah, I know you're not going to like that. I wonder what we can do in that moment. Oh, oh, I know I could always find you. Okay. You better bet, Rosie, when you come and take my sweater, I'm going to have a very different reaction, right? Because I prepared for it. I feel connected. Now, that's very different from what usually happens with kids. We usually don't tell them anything. There are people too, like nobody likes something unexpectedly being yeah, taken. all of a sudden a bunch of kids are showing up and they're going to just grab all your toys. Right, right? Like yeah. no one likes that. And then we layer on blame. What's wrong with you? Yeah, stop right? being Stop being rude, so selfish. Mean, yeah. Right? Spoiled. Versus preparing them. The boundary there that we don't do enough of as parents is we say, stop hitting your friend or don't hit your friend or we don't hit your friend versus going over to my child, literally holding their wrist and saying, I won't let you hit your cousin. You're having a hard time. You're a good kid. I'm picking you up and carrying you a different room and sitting with you there, not leaving you there because 
my number one job is to keep you safe. And right now, safety means spending a little time away from your cousin. We're going to get through this together. That's the boundary that goes along with the seeing my kid as a good kid and the empathizing that we don't teach parents enough. Mm. A boundary isn't sending a kid to their room. I always think it's the most disempowering thing. Like I can't even step in and help my kid. I just have to send them to their room. Like if I was having a hard time at work and my boss was like, Becky, go to your office and spend time there. I'd be like, this is like the worst boss in the world. Like that's my boss's solution. (laughs) Like, right. (laughs) And so embodying our authority is a big thing that we teach parents. Like that doesn't mean being mean. Embodying your authority also doesn't mean sending kids away. It means stepping in and being a leader, right? And that's discipline to me. That's building emotion regulation, right? Not punishments and timeouts. Yeah, I love what you, and I know you write about this and Good Inside is gonna be such a great resource for everybody that's listening to you and listening to this podcast. I love what you said about, my kid is good inside. It's me and my child against hitting because I think it builds that confidence that you're talking about and it allows a child to have that safety and to start building that autonomy. I personally, because of the way I grew up, I also don't like the word discipline. I'm the word, Tori and I are both, we we both say this, we've have, we have dogs, we've had so many dogs. Like we are those dog parents, you know, that our dogs rule the household. They are, you know, all rescues and they all live in the lap of luxury. I mean, they get like all the special food, they get the groomings, they're, you know, like 85 pound pit bulls that (laughs) think that they are lap dogs, you know? And it's interesting to me to see the dynamics where it's like, I have to use my strong voice sometimes when it's like, okay, that's enough, you know, and, and we're done and I've got to take the toys away and they have to take a nap. And I'm like, okay, so how, you know, with kids and I, I only can relate because I'm not a parent, but I have nieces and nephews and I've seen the different types of parenting and, and my sister-in-law, both my sister-in-laws have kids. And it's like, to me, it just seems like, wow, how do you tackle this behemoth of parenting without constantly needing the support of people around you? You know, like, it just seems like you, we all would need, you know, the, the coaches, the people in our lives to help us, because I can see how it can be really overwhelming for just one person to try and do that, you know, the be, I'm trying to be all things to all people all the time. Yes. I mean, look, I think there's so much in your question. It's like exactly the right question. And I, I do, I mean, I don't think we'd get here, but like this literally is why we created like the membership platform right here. Like, and what's amazing is some people on the platform, they've started calling the other parents, like their colleagues, like think about a complicated business and think about being like, I'm going to be the only one to do this. I'm going to do the whole thing. Like nobody says that. Nobody says that. It's just, but not because we're like, oh, you're not competent. We'd be like, no, no, no. Like your competence isn't at what's at stake here. Like you just need a team. Like you need colleagues. Like you need 
colleagues to raise kids. And we call it colleagues. We can call it a modern village, right? That's what parenting used to be about because the idea that at the same time you can nurture yourself and nurture another human being, nurturing yourself is hard enough. Nurturing yourself, you need other people for. So now I'm supposed to nurture another being and their growth. And by the way, manage all the complicated things that come up in my relationship with my partner, if I have one, with you, maybe I have another kid, maybe. I mean, there's just too much, right? And I think it's just really changing the narrative is like, yes, like when I become a parent, I think this is true before becoming a parent too, but definitely when I become a parent, I need that community. I need it in my town or I need it online, right? And we now like in an online way, like can facilitate that. Like this is literally what happens in the platform every day. People post a question and yes, people give guidance. Hey, try this, try this. But you know what else happens all the time? People write, I see how hard you're working. Like Mm. I've had that happen too. You are not alone. You are a good parent having a hard time with a good kid who's having a hard time. And that's what we need before we incorporate a strategy. When you're overwhelmed and you feel like you're, you know, totally depleted, that's when you're, implementing a new strategy, like, yeah, physiologically, it's just not possible, right? We need the village, not to just brainstorm ideas. We need a village to make sure we don't feel alone and so ashamed. And as soon as we have that village, parenting does not become easy. No. But to me, it's the difference between things feeling impossible versus challenging with moments of joy. And like challenging with moments of joy is far superior to impossible. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to be respectful of your time. And for those of you that are watching this or if you're listening to this, goodinsight.com is such a huge resource. You can get single workshops, you can buy a membership, you can buy a year-long membership. And Dr. Becky does a live events a couple times a month. So you have access to seeing her and, and having this community. So I highly recommend, I mean, I want to join just to start like training, you know? <laughs> and it's what I was saying in the beginning that I really feel empowered by the work that you're doing. And it makes me feel a little bit more confident in what is possible. So thank you so much for all the work that you do. I mentioned goodinside.com. If there's yeah. any other place where people could reach out to you. Yeah, what I would say is goodinside.com is is the hub of everything. So yes, we have a membership platform. I have a book that, you know, is the thing you can just hold right there. And also, I really mean this, I just feel so passionate about this this journey and changing the way we think about parenthood that we have so many free resources too. So my Thursday email, I hate calling it a newsletter because it just makes it sound like something it's not. I just have too many organized thoughts in a week to put on Instagram because it's like a little bit longer than what I'd want to write on the gram. And I just email it right to your inbox. It's a big idea. It's translated to a strategy you can use. And that's further made concrete into a script you can use, right? And it's stuff for self-care. It's stuff for your relationship with your kid. It's stuff for tantrums, siblings, all of that. So you can just get that at goodinside.com. And that's a great place to start. And also from there, you'll find our Twitter account, our Instagram account, our TikTok, like all the things. So that's just a great place to check out and explore. And I, I know you'll find something that meets you where you are. That's amazing. I want to ask you one final question that we ask all of our guests is how do you feel radically loved? Oh, how do I feel radically loved? It's a great question. I feel radically loved when I'm able to ground myself in a hard moment 
and say something kind to myself. And I feel radically loved when the people who know me best, uh, you know, I'm thinking about my husband or some close friends or family, really see me. Like they, they, they really see what I'm doing, what I'm working on. They see the stuff below the surface. I feel very safe and loved then. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Becky. You are incredible. We love you. We hope to have you on the show again. I'm so looking forward to reading your book and just getting to know you more and for expanding the Good Inside community. I hope that we can make that happen. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And also if you found value in this conversation, please send it to a friend who may also find this conversation valuable. It's obviously one that I feel like needs to happen more often. So thank you all again. Thank you all so much. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.